and welcome to Come Follow Up. My name is Daniel Becerra, and this is Barbara Morgan Gardner. As scholars and religious educators, we're always searching for ways to help individuals and families apply the scriptures more deeply in their lives. Here on Come Follow Up, we look to enrich your daily studies of the Come Follow Me resource as we discuss life-changing principles and study the words of the prophets. We hope that our dialogue today can inspire you so that through the Spirit, you can uncover truths, experience new insights, and deepen your personal conversion. So this week, we are studying Moroni chapter 10, and the topic is come unto Christ and be perfected in him. So first, Moroni prepares to seal up the record of the Book of Mormon and promises that we can know the truthfulness of his record through the Holy Ghost. Moroni is also going to teach us about spiritual gifts. He's going to invite us to pray for those spiritual gifts and gives us a number of examples of them as well. He invites all people to come into Christ and be perfected in him, and then he concludes his record. There's obviously a lot of things that we can talk about in our discussion today, but we want to focus on three specific things. Uh, identifying our spiritual gifts and the kind of unique contributions that we can make to the kingdom of God. Becoming perfect through Christ. What does that mean? And then seeking after truth. How do we do it? In order to help us with this discussion today, we have invited a wonderful guest, Bob Millett. And we will bring him Bob, up to the stand with us, the stage Bob. with us. Thank you, thank you. Thanks, Bob. So, Dr. Robert Millett is an emeritus professor of ancient scripture at BYU. He researches Christian history and doctrine and Joseph Smith. And, and Bob, welcome. We're really interested in hearing some of your insights today. It's wonderful to be with you. Thanks, Bob. Bob is also a, a former dean of the religion department at BYU and has influenced many people, and especially some of us who are uh, faculty members there at this time. So maybe before we get into it, you can give us a sense for what stood out to you in these chapters. What kind of things do we need to go know going in? Maybe you can give us a little bit of uh, historical context. I just reread Moroni 10 not long ago as I was finishing the Book of Mormon, and, and it occurred to me that this is Moroni's last opportunity to talk to people, to talk to people in the future, his last opportunity to pull together the things that to him matter the most. In a sense, it's kind of his last lecture. BYU for many years had a last lecture series where they would invite various professors to come and give a message. If this is the last chance you had to speak, to the people of the world, as a psychologist, as a biologist, as a whatever, what would you say to them? And to me, this is like Moroni's last lecture. It's his, his final words. I think there's something about reading people's final words that's significant. Bob, do you, think, do you think he went through the scriptures and said, you know, what have I not yet spoken of? Well, you know, all through the Book of Mormon, you have warnings like this. Deny not the gifts of God. Deny not the revelations of God. That's clearly Moroni is following up on that. So there's things he's following up on. He gives new insights into some of those things, but basically it seems to me this is a summary chapter. Thanks, Bob. You actually brought up one of the topics that we are going to be speaking about today. It's identifying our spiritual gifts. Daniel, would you like to start us off on spiritual yeah. gifts? Yeah, so just to open up to, to Moroni 10, and maybe we can bring it up here. I went through and kind of uh, underlined all the spiritual gifts I could find, and maybe we can reflect on whether these are all the spiritual gifts we have available to us, or there are others, or maybe how have we been able to bless uh, the lives of others through the gifts that God has given us. So for example, uh, verse nine, to teach the word of wisdom, uh, to teach the word of knowledge, great faith, healing, working mighty miracles, prophecy, beholding of angels and ministering spirits. That one sounds kind of cool. Speaking all kind of tongues, interpretation of languages. And we're told that they all come through the spirit of God and that they're all given to us to benefit um, one another. It's got to be an important topic because think about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Moroni chapter 10, 
Doctrine and Covenant section 46. Mm -hmm. It's as if the Lord says, in case you've missed it, there's some things that really matter to me. Yeah. And, and I think the other reason for studying all three of them as well as uh, just Moroni 10, they're stated a little differently. For example, if I were to go to the Doctrine and Covenants, I would read, uh, to some it is given the word of wisdom, to some is given the word of knowledge. But it's a great gift to be able to teach the word of wisdom and teach the word of knowledge. And so you have basically the same gifts, but sometimes described a little differently. Yeah. Excellent. So in addition to these gifts, before we really start talking about the gifts that we have, Elder Marvin J. Ashton actually talked to us about the reality of there, there are more gifts than what are simply here in Moroni chapter 10. Frankly, there are other gifts that are mentioned in other scriptures as well that we're not going to look to specifically. But let's look at the quote from Elder Ashton to see what other gifts that he brings up. He says, let us review some of these less conspicuous gifts. The gift of asking, the gift of listening, the gift of hearing and using a still small voice, the gift of being able to weep, the gift of avoiding contention, the gift of being agreeable, the gift of avoiding vain repetition, the gift of seeking that which is righteous, the gift of not passing judgment, the gift of looking to God for guidance, the gift of being a disciple, the gift of caring for others, the gift of being able to ponder, the gift of offering prayer, the gift of bearing a mighty testimony, and the gift of receiving the Holy Ghost. And then Elder Ashton continues, we must remember that to every man is given a gift by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> we must remember that to every man and woman right. <laughs> is given a gift by the Spirit of God. It is our right and responsibility to accept our gifts and to share them. God's gifts and powers are available to all of us. And, and maybe we can, we can, I can ask this to our audiences. How has God demonstrated to you that your unique contributions are needed and valued in his work? Which is to say, we all have gifts. In what ways has God used you as a tool in his tool belt to build the kingdom, to, to be a strength to your family. Yeah, Nancy. Um, I am a sign language interpreter by profession. Uh -huh. And so the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues is something that I use every day in yeah. my life. And while studying and learning a second language, I had to pray and ask and say, I'm gonna need your help to get through uh, this training so that I can be used as a tool, mm -hmm. and not only just be a tool, but do it really well so that I can benefit others in their communication. It's been a long road, mm -hmm. and I've been doing it almost 28 years now, so I think that asking for help has been only beneficial to me, and I still ask mm -hmm. all the time. Thank you for that. Then I wanna continue on with Nancy a little bit there if we can. So, so why was it that you wanted this gift of tongues? What was the purpose behind it for you? The purpose? of wanting it was so that I would have Heavenly Father on my side and the speaker that I can hear their true meaning and not just, you know, idioms or whatever, word for word. I don't want to do that. I want to do concepts. I want to do feelings. I want to show the expression and the nuances of the language in such a way that will spiritually benefit those that are watching me for the message. So Nancy, I, th I think you brought in an extremely important part about seeking these gifts that Moroni is asking us to seek, and, and that is 
for the purpose of serving God and for other people. Yes. You're not simply saying, I want to get this gift so that I can make a lot of money. I don't want to get this gift necessarily so that everybody thinks that I'm the world's best interpreter. <laughs> you specifically said, I am trying to get this gift so that I can help these deaf people so that they can better understand. Yes. That is, I believe, Moroni and his, his act of charity and, and what he's talking about here, that's the purpose of these gifts so that we as individuals can bless the lives of our Heavenly Parents' children. What a beautiful comment. Thank you so much. Thank you. When you take any given branch or ward and you bring them together, you have many people that are just as different as they can be. But God often blesses these individuals with certain gifts that contribute in important ways to that little branch or that ward. Every member plays important roles in that they bring separate and individual and important gifts to make that ward or that branch successful. I think you'd agree with this, Bob, too. It's not just uh, helping within the context of our church service, but just helping all our fellow human beings, right? That's right. Like my wife has gifts of patience and, and kindness, and those obviously extend beyond our, her church service just yes. to brighten and bring uh, joy to the lives of other people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, th I thought I was a good listener until I was married to my husband, and then I realized I was an okay listener, but he had a gift. <laughs> it was very different. Barb, it occurs to me that maybe people wonder, what gift do I have? What gifts do I have? And over the years, I've heard the leaders of the church more than once say, pray to know what gift you have that maybe you haven't even discovered. The other possibility is to study your patriarchal blessing, because very often in that blessing, you'll be told what your gifts are and what your talents are and what you're very good at. And it's as if in some ways, spiritual gifts are things that come rather naturally to us. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to work at it so much as you have to do, let it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ariana, you had a comment. Um, I think, since we're talking about identifying gifts, um, as I think my gift is um, having exceeding faith, because as my um, other family members have, I guess, gone into more worldly things, I just think my faith has helped me stay strong in the gospel and help me always know that Christ is true. And as I've gone through, I guess, like things in my life that have helped me know that that's true. Excellent. Thank you for that. So we talk about the gifts that we have in ourselves, but what other gifts have you seen other people use that have been, you, in a sense, for your benefit? First of all, I was one of those people who didn't think I had any of these spiritual gifts um, until they were listed, so I'm grateful that you put that on there, because um, I do believe I have um, a gift to not judge others. Um, but thinking about what other people have done for me, I'm a single mom, and I can't even tell you, it's overwhelming, um, the compassion, the listening, um, the service that everybody extends to me and my family. Thank you, and thank you for your diligence as a single mother and trying to raise this family. And, and thank you also for recognizing the gift of not judging. That's, that's a gift that we definitely need more of in this world, and yeah. it's a beautiful yeah. gift. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you, everyone. That was an excellent discussion of spiritual gifts. I'm wondering now if we can um, go back to this idea of Moroni 10 being Moroni's last lecture. And he concludes this last lecture with this, verse 32. Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him. So I'm wondering, Bob, can you talk to us a little bit about what does it mean to become perfect in Christ and what does it not mean? It doesn't mean flawless. It doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. But I think it means they're trying their very best to be whole, complete. They're not double-minded like James would warn against. A double-minded man is unstable in all his, his ways. 
They're not unstable. They're, they're together. They make mistakes. They repent quickly. Mm-hmm. But as President Nelson would say, perfection is pending. Mm-hmm. We're working at it. We're trying to be better than we are. Mm-hmm. But we'll only be perfected in Christ. Yeah. In fact, Bob, thank you. thanks for sharing that, especially that flawless. I, there's a quote by Elder Holland where he talks about this idea of being perfect. And Elder Holland says the following. He says, except for Jesus... There have been no flawless performances on this earthly journey we are pursuing. So while immortality, let's strive for steady improvement without obsessing over what behavioral scientists called toxic perfectionism. I love that phrase, toxic perfectionism. I, I think that's something that's very common in our day. We have, we have people all over the place trying to be perfect, and we're st- struggling more than ever with, with some major anxieties of perfectionism, and it, and it becomes toxic. I think we have a video from someone who was actually talking about this, perhaps perfectionism, but a specific quality that she's working on. Hi, my name is Tana, and I'm from Billings, Montana. On a regular basis, we feel emotions that remind us that we are human, specifically anger. And I was wondering if, when I allow myself to be angry in situations when I am, if that is hindering me from becoming more Christ-like. It's an excellent question. I think she used very careful language there when I allow myself to become angry. I think to some degree we have control over our emotions. If it's possible to have complete control over your emotions, that's not a control I yet possess. <laughs> um, and this is merely to say sometimes anger isn't something I choose. This last general conference president, Oaks, was talking about anger. And this is hard, like Daniel's saying, but he, he made a similar comment. He, he quotes President Monson. He says, anger is Satan's tool. And then he says, no one can make us angry. It is our choice. Because as Bob was talking about, we're not talking about being perfect. It's, it's being this flawlessness that we're working towards. Mm-hmm. But Christ is perfect in those things. And we are in the process of becoming. Yeah. But it's hard. By no means is it an easy process, I don't yeah. think. You know, if, if you're in a Temple Recommend interview and the stake president asks you, uh, are you, are you keeping the commandments of God? The best answer I can come up with is I'm striving to. Yeah, yeah. And I, because I think that's what life is about. Striving to me means I'm working at it. I'm really working at it. Even when, I, even when I'm failing, I'm still working at it. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stay at it. And I think you continue to pray. You might even fast more. But the idea of anger, overcoming anger, it's a matter of like any other thing we overcome, gradually and gradually and gradually, mm-hmm. it becomes less like something we do. It, but it doesn't change quickly. Mm-hmm. Anger is something I struggle with. So, I mean, I remember looking up every um, quote and conference talk I could find about anger. And one thing that stood out to me is this. I mean, personally, as I mentioned, anger is not something I feel that is currently within my power to choose to not to experience. But I did find this quote from Brigham Young. He says, do not get so angry that you cannot pray. Do not allow yourselves to become so angry that you cannot feed an enemy, even your worst enemy, if an opportunity should present itself. So at least where I currently am in my stage of spiritual growth, I'm focusing my efforts on how I respond to the anger I experience rather than setting what I think is an unrealistic expectation for myself, which is to never experience that um, um, anger. It might be possible in the future, but um, currently it's not for me. I think it's very healthy to to recognize, look, there are things right now that are seriously beyond my capacity because Mm -hmm. frankly, in my life, there are a, a lot of things that are beyond my capacity at the moment. The kind of perfection the Lord is calling us to as well is for us to become more Christ-like. And when I think of becoming more Christ-like, I think of becoming more people-centered. I mean, God and Christ are in the business of people, and they've called us to be in the same business. Bob, 
I'll be a personal on this one. The other day we were studying our scriptures and we were looking and studying with Come Follow Me with our, with our daughters. And I asked my daughters, I said, so what, what can you do to be more Christ-like? And, you know, they said, we can, we can be obedient and we can be truthful. And then, and then my daughter said, we can be more loving. And then I said, how are you going to be more loving? And in that moment of asking her, I felt an impression from the spirit, listen carefully because you need to do this. In my heart, I thought, well, I'm a loving person. I like people. <laughs> But it, it wasn't just, it wasn't a condemnation of, no, you're a horrible person. It was just simply, Barb, you need to learn to be loving. And I felt this impression, you need to try to be loving all day. I think love is the Lord's barometer for righteousness. How are we doing? How well am I doing toward people? If I'm trying my best to serve, to love, to forgive quickly, to not take offense. So this idea that as we none of us are going to be perfect, but we can know we're on the right path as we try to reach out to other people, as we feel a desire for their welfare, um, and as we try to express the, the Savior's love for them. Excellent. So maybe now we can start, we can uh, talk a little bit about some of the more well-known uh, verses or what we tend to think about when we think of Moroni 10, which are verses 3 through 5, and specifically, what does it mean to seek uh, after truth? Bob, can you, can you start us off with that? Yeah, I mean... I think everybody that's a member of the church has heard many times, you need to read the Book of Mormon, ponder the Book of Mormon, and pray about the Book of Mormon. And, and I think we, we try to follow that pattern. But there's something that's, that's almost hidden here. Behold, I would exhort you that when you shall read these things, if it be wisdom in God that you should read them, that you would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men, from the creation of Adam, even down until the time that you shall receive these things and ponder it in your hearts. An important part of this is, let's ponder upon the fact that God has always answered his children's questions. Okay. Isn't that what Nephi is teaching us right at the beginning in First Nephi was it 19 where he says, I'm going to show unto you the tender mercies of the Lord? Yes. It's like Nephi is starting out the entire Book of Mormon saying, Watch as I show you God's tender mercies. I'm going to give then, you one illustration after another of the principle. Right. If, if we're doing it in an effective way, like he is mentioning, as we're reading somebody else, as we're reading these prophets, and as we're reading the tender mercies, hopefully we're thinking, what does this have to do with me? And then we're also thinking of our own tender, of the tender mercies that the Lord has given to us in the process as well. Yeah. Until we finally get to the end of the book of Moroni, where we're saying, now really remember the tender mercies of the Lord. And what does that teach you? Now, I have faith uh, that, that God can answer all our prayers, but it, I think it's a reality that we all face that sometimes it seems like he doesn't, or at least in the time that we would expect him to. Hmm. We actually have a video relating to this. Maybe we can, we can cue that up and, and talk about that. Hi, my name is Delina from Wyoming. The question I ask is how can we find the peace and the hope that our answer will eventually come? What are some things we can do to remain faithful, to remain hopeful, to continually seek even when it feels hopeless. I have a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, from personal experience, God doesn't answer every question, and I don't think his intention is to answer every question. I've, I've asked, when am I going to be married when I was still single, or, or, or who am I to marry, or am I ever going to have children, or what's going to happen in this situation? And sometimes I have found that the Lord does give me a confirmation. There's, there's a great talk by Elder McConkie on agency or inspiration. And he talks about that, that sometimes God doesn't give us the answer. He expects us to act on our own. It occurs to me that we strive all the days of our lives to live in a way that the Holy Spirit can be with us, right? 
Right. And as we do so, what, what begins to happen through the years? The Lord educates our conscience. The Lord builds our judgment. The Lord builds our ability to understand and to have wisdom. Over the years, those qualities develop by the power of the Holy Ghost so that when a tough situation comes along, we make a decision. Boy, we hope it's the right one. And you know what? It proves to be the right one because the Lord's been preparing us all along. Excellent. I wonder if we can open it up to our audience. And have there been times in your life when you have felt that the Lord hasn't responded to your prayers in, in, a, in a timely manner, in your opinion? And what did you do to maintain faith? What did you do to maintain hope? Mariana. So when I was a newly baptized member of the church, I set this very specific expectation of how I would feel that the Book of Mormon is true. And it mm. was just a clear voice in my head telling me it is true. Mm. So I would pray continually and diligently, but I never got that form of answer. And so then I started just to simply ponder, well, does the Book of Mormon teach me to love God, that God loves me, to live like the Savior, to love those around me and just follow the commandments? And, you know, I could clearly answer yes. Mm -hmm. So I continued to live my life living those teachings. And in result, I felt joy and peace throughout difficulties. And with that was my answer. Like, how could this not be true? Yeah, excellent. I, lo I love this idea that the Holy Spirit can, it speaks to us in different ways, right? Through our mind, through our emotions, through uh, the kind of validation we get from, from living, uh, living righteously. Bob, what would you say to somebody who, I mean, at least in my life, it's sometimes difficult, yes, to not receive an answer immediately, but also to not know if you've received an answer or not. I was in a, a priesthood leadership meeting one time when elders Nelson and uh, Groberg and Packer came. In the Q&A section, one of the bishops asked the question, how do I know, Elder Packer, the difference between my own thoughts and God's message to me? Mm -hmm. And Brother Packer answered, oh, that's easy. You need to practice. <laughs> I got to say at the time, I thought, that's kind of a cop out. Yeah. <laughs> But over the years, I began to appreciate what he's saying. How am I responding to the little things in life? I think when we begin to be true to the small things that come, and it may just be our conscience, we gradually begin to, to get larger and deeper insights. Um, the, the passage from the New Testament, thou hast been faithful in a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. I think one point that I'd make is, Let's ask ourselves, to what extent am I following my conscience and the promptings I get there? And as I begin to do that, then what Elder Packer is right, uh, says is right. You begin to sense what's the right way to go. Yeah. The question from our viewer was, you know, how do I continue to move forward when I don't feel like I have an answer? And I think that also is a matter of, a matter of practice and a matter of experience. The more we've learned to rely on Christ, the more we trust in him and lean not to our own understanding as we're taught in Proverbs, the more we're able to say, you know what, he's not answering me right now, or I don't have an answer right now, or this is very hard, but I have learned to trust him because I put him to the test over and over and over again, and he has yet to fail me. And so, you know, when I was five, maybe I could wait for 10 minutes. But now that I'm 50, you know, maybe I have to wait another 10 years or through eternity, but you know you can trust him. No prompting to do good is wrong. Right. Any prompting I get to do something good, I don't have to sit and say, is this from God or am I just thinking this up? 
it doesn't matter. It's a good thing. Whatever comes that's good comes from Christ. And so I think, I think sometimes we just need to trust ourselves a little bit more. Thank you, Bob. That was a good tie-in also to the beginning of what we were talking about in verse 3 of remembering the tender mercies of the Lord as, yeah. as we're learning to trust Him and as we're learning to, be, uh, to practice. We appreciate so much your, your thoughts and comments. We appreciate looking into these scriptures, especially in chapter 10, uh, verses 3, 4, and 5, on that topic of seeking after truth. It's been a great discussion. Thanks. So thank you so much uh, to our audience members. Thanks for your questions, your comments, your testimonies. Uh, we'd also like to thank you, Bob. Thank you for helping us understand the context of, these, of this chapter specifically, and then also some of these insights. Again, we'd just like to thank everyone for being here today. We appreciate going through these scriptures together and using this Come Follow Me resource. And to those of you at home, thank you for your comments and questions that you sent us via social media. Uh, we'd love to see you in the studio sometime, but if you can't, we hope you'll join us next week on Come Follow Up. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.